The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. However you want the mood to be, you can dictate that. Guys will be like, oh my God, oh, we can easily do this again. Or you can just crush guys and make them feel horrible. I don't want to do that. I want guys to see how easily we could have done it. And also remember how hard it was to get there. Because that's also what people don't realize. Like, yeah, we have a good team on paper, but all our guys right now are independent contractors. Like, And I guarantee our guys have been working hard, but our team hasn't been working hard. So when our players get here, uh, yeah, I'm going to show them some of the Super Bowl. And they know we have one goal to get there, but they have to know, like, we haven't done it yet. And we have to put in the work as a team. That's Kyle Shanahan with Chris Sims before training camp got started, talking about the San Francisco 49ers, the team that had it. It was there. It was in the palm of their hands. I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound. This is the reality. Yeah. Of Ten points with seven minutes left. That play that was called... The, the something wasp. something wasp something wasp. something wasp. Right. I'm gonna go with something something wasp. <laughs> something something wasp was called, and it was that long throw by Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, and that was the moment where it didn't turn. It was that moment where it was like interesting, Whoa, right? Right? Yeah. It was yeah. It was like hey, maybe this game isn't over, and then they get the touchdown, and then you know it, that's when it really started to accelerate, right. but. They, they were there. I mean, they put in all of the hard work. They climbed the mountain. They had one hand on the summit of Everest and got thrown back to the bottom. That's the reality. Yeah. They did the hard part. The easy part was holding that lead, and now they have to start over again. But we think they will. We think they're built to do it. Look, yep. Chris, I've said time and again, and, and, and I'm not just saying this because, number one, he's your good friend, and number two, I like him as well. I think he's the next Belichick. I do. I think Kyle Shanahan is here to stay. I think he's going to be a great coach. I think he's going to do great things. And, you know, from time to time, if he says something like, uh, we needed to get back to where we were last year and finish the job, and that's kind of overlooking all the tough work of getting close to the top of the mountain, yeah. and let's not presume you're going to be able to do that again. Uh, I'm going to say that from time to time uh, because I believe it. You know, Bill Belichick is the master of forgetting about last year. Good, 
bad otherwise, forget about last year. Sure. It does not matter and move on to next year. And if they can do that, they can be right back there near the top of the mountain when February rolls around. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, again, I mean, listen, you know me. I agree with everything you just said there, you know, basically. Other than, like, hey, Kyle's not going to be exactly like Bill Belichick. You know, but when he does make those comments that, you know, you, you like you say, you, you kind of perk up and you go, whoa, I can't believe a head coach said that. There's always reasoning behind it. It's not like some guy who just threw out a quote to make the fan base feel good or whatever. And as you saw there in that clip, yeah, there's reasoning by, by why he kind of says that. And, of course, he's not going to, like, brush aside the hard work and what it'll take to get back there. But like he said, he wanted to show that, hey, we were this close. And, you know, we just do one or two things different here. And we win the Super Bowl easily. And to speak about that last few moments of the game, you know, further on in that interview, that two-jet wasp, at that point of the game, he even says, because I asked him, he goes, he went, ooh, okay, like a little bit like, wow, all right, they're not out of it. That was a big play, but he still felt good about it. It was the next series after when the 49ers went three and out and the Chiefs got the ball back. That's when he told me in the interview, he went, uh-oh, the momentum has swung here and we're in trouble. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is, I think before last year, if you told the 49ers they were up 20 to 10 with six minutes left in the Super Bowl, they'd be like, well, we'll sign the deal right now. We're meant to win that game with our defensive line and our pass rush and all that. The problem is they came across a guy that I think is probably the only guy that could have won that football game in Mahomes. And that's unfortunate. It's very rarely that the one guy can overcome to me what is, I think, the better team. Uh, and in the 49ers, there's really not a lot of weakness to the roster. And where very rare, Mike. The first thing I'll say about them going into 2020 here is, you know, yeah, they lost to Forrest Buckner, but man, rare that a team in the Super Bowl gets two premium first round picks and then gets to sign Trent or, or trade for Trent Williams, a Hall of Fame left tackle as they just lost the Super Bowl. So they quietly improved their team too, which I think a 49ers fan needs to be excited about. Yeah, and look, we did our rankings to set the, the, the table for the discussion that has resulted in one team at a time working from 32 to number one, 49ers coming at number two. We did that before the season began, before yeah. the training camp began. Uh, I don't know if I was reshuffling the deck right now what I would do because I'm concerned about all these injuries. I know. And 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 it's 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 troubling when you hear week to week for Nick Bosa, who knows if he's going to be available week one when they take Deep on the forward Cardinals. too. And, yeah, and, and uh, do they have the depth beyond the stars? Are they top-heavy, or do they have the next man up that can that can come in and get it done? I mean, whoever you have on the bench is going to be standing in the shadow of Nick Bosa, but do you think this is a team that can withstand injuries and put in other guys and, and roll with backups if need be and be successful? The, the, the two areas in which they've had injuries are, now they're big parts of their team. You're right. I mean, there's no replacing Nick Bosa's or D Ford's of the world. There's, there's a reason they're getting paid the money or drafted where they were because they're special, special entities. But I do, if there's a deep part of their football team, it's their defensive line, they can send waves at you that way. So to where I think they can manage that, certainly. And then we've seen the injuries at wide receiver, which is concerning. And I would be concerned with most people or most teams, but not as much with Shanahan, first off, because I do think he's a genius as far as getting wide receivers open. I mean, his ability to scheme and do those type of things. And I still think there's enough there at the position to make it happen. But they're, they're teetering on a line, you're right, of, man, another injury or two. And holy cow. 
you know, they, they could be drastically different looking team here week one. And, you know, I think it goes back a little bit to you, Mike, where you've always been spot on about it. I know we've talked about this. You know, Lynch and Shanahan have done a great job of accumulating psychos. And I mean that within football psychos, like guys that, hey, it's a walkthrough and you got to tell them like, hey, settle down. It's a walkthrough. Stop flying around. Hey, yeah, we're 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 hitting a little in practice. Don't knock his head off. Don't drag him to the ground. They got those type of guys. And I think that's led to maybe probably some more intensity in practice and maybe a few injuries, too. Yeah, I've used the term roughnecks instead of psychos, but it dawned on me last year that this is a team that doesn't need to practice tackling to the ground. They don't need to have intense sessions where they beat the crap out of each other because you just flip the switch on George Kittle. You flip the switch on Nick Bosa. You flip the switch on these guys, and they're going to go punch you in the mouth whenever they get the chance to do it in a controlled way. But I think that's one of the reasons why they've been so good, and I think that's what John Lynch has brought to balance out Kyle Shanahan. Kyle is very good at finding the players that fit his offensive scheme. And I think John Lynch is very good at identifying the guys that remind him of the guys he played with in Tampa. And that's a hell of an experience to bring to the table if you're a general manager of a football team working with a head coach who is a mastermind when it comes to offense. So all that said, though, I keep looking back on last season. Yep. Yes, they had some games they won easily, and they got our attention early in the season, winning at Tampa Bay, winning at Cincinnati. But some of those games were so close, and it came down to a play here, a play there, a break here, a break there. All the way down to Week 17, they could have been the five seed. If the Seahawks score on that final drive of the game, and if you do that drive ten times, five times they score and five times they don't. Yeah. Can they thread that needle again to get back to the one seed when you consider the teams they're going to be playing in their own division twice per year, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to be a lot better, and they gave the 49ers fits, relatively speaking, in two games last year. This is a team that is going to have its hands full this year because it had its hands full last year in emerging as the one seed. Yeah, and and no doubt about it. You know, know, the first thing, yeah, they won some close, tight football games. But, you know, you, you can go through a lot of football teams, really, and look at that and go... You know, that that was part of their, you know, success, too. The, the really good football teams find ways to pull out those close football games. And I think with that added to that, there's some young pieces on that team that are going to be better in year two. And it's really, really year two for Jimmy Garoppolo because he got so hurt, in his, you know, hurt so early on in his, you know, first complete season there. So I expect him to be better that way. And I'll say this, this is the other thing that I'd be encouraging about or encouraged about. And if you're like, hey, sleepover, you know, Super Bowl sleep or hangover, all that, that's real. I get that. But the the um, the best thing that you got going for them to me, Mike, is the schedule we just put up there. You know, you look at their first five weeks and you go, Cardinals, Jets, Giants, Eagles, Dolphins. I can sit there and not blink an eye and go, they're clearly going to be the best team on the field for four out of the first five games of the year. And the Eagles game is going to be at home in San Francisco. So, you know, they have a chance here. Why are you saying four out of five? They're the best team in five out of five. You're right, five out of five. I'm just saying that's one where I could go, okay, if somebody wanted to argue, it's a little bit of a toss-up or whatever. But I could just say, no doubt, they're clearly better than the Cardinals, the Jets, the Giants, and the Dolphins, you know. If football, hey, the Eagles are close, but yeah, they're not. You're right. The, the 49ers are more talented than the Eagles, so they have a chance here to really set themselves up early 
and kind of regain that confidence and mojo they had last year to where maybe I think it, it lessens that Super Bowl hangover to a degree. They've got those back-to-back games at MetLife Stadium against the Giants and the Jets. They're coming to the Greenbrier down the road from me here in West Virginia. You think your buddy Kyle's going to invite me to go down and hang out with him? Uh, no, he's not going to invite you. <laughs> I can tell you that. Maybe if I call him and beg him to let you go down there, maybe he'll let you go down there. But uh, that, that's interesting, too, because you know I didn't know if that was going to be allowed in the NFL this year just because of, of course, the current environment. And I, I know there's – that's what teams want to do this day and age. It's too much to travel back and forth and do that in a six-day period. It wears your team out. Uh, so I was interested to hear that nonetheless, Mike. He told me last year after week two, when they finished off the first two games right. of the season, staying on the East Coast, he said, look, we've done it both ways. Guys are dead if we go back and forth and back and forth. He said today, before they started that game against the Bengals that they won handily, they were bouncing off the walls. Yeah. So it's smart. It's a sacrifice especially in a pandemic. It's a sacrifice to be away from the family. It's a sacrifice to be away from home. It's a calculated risk. They'll set up a mini bubble at the Greenbrier and do their best to keep everyone COVID-free. But uh, it works when it comes to that second game. The first game is the first game. It doesn't matter. You're flying from California for the first game. It's that second game where you get the advantage. Exactly. And I think last they did it twice last year, and they were 2-0 and in the second game. They had Baltimore, which they lost in the first game of their second trip back, but they beat the Saints. Right. After That's right. I forgot a, they did that too. In, in Florida. Yeah. They stayed in Youngstown, I think, for one, and in Florida for the other. You're so right. It's smart. It's smart, and it works. And the NFL had strongly urged teams to go home after games, but uh, the way Kyle explained it yesterday, they've gotten the approval, or at least as he hasn't heard they haven't he hasn't gotten heard the approval. No. And they're, right. they're, they're close enough to it that the, the plans have to be in motion for it to work. All right, let's talk about running back yeah. on this team. Yeah. Because, look, if you, if you play fantasy football, you prefer to have a, a workhorse like a Christian McCaffrey, a Derrick Henry, a guy that you know is going to emerge – I look at Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon. I don't know who it's going to be. I think it depends on what game it is, right? We've seen that. Raheem Mostert had the huge NFC Championship game and relatively disappeared in the Super Bowl. So who do you think of those three emerges as the guy, if any of them do? Yeah, I don't know if it'll be any, like, clear-cut, like, oh, man, this guy rushed for 1,400 yards this year for this offense. No, I, I don't. First off, you know, I think between Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, they have a very similar skill set. So a lot of the times, I think they're just, the 49ers will go with the hot hand there as far as like, ooh, you know, this guy's got it today. You know, he's seeing the holes, he's seeing the cutback lanes, whatever. His legs are fresh. So I, I still think Raheem Mostert, I'll say, gets a little more carries than Tevin Coleman, but I don't think it's going to be anything drastic to where we're going to go like, oh, this is Terrell Davis for, you know, Mike Shanahan and the Broncos back in the day. No, I don't. And then, you know, the Jarek McKinnon thing, of course, with his injury history and all that, I think he'll be worked in slowly, but more than anything, he has been brought in there for the pass game itself. And I think that's where he'll make a mark, a little bit like we've talked about with Sean Payton and Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara the last few days. Shanahan's a West Coast offense. He was there with me in Tampa Bay. He understands how to use the back out of the backfield in the pass game. And I think that's where Jarek McKinnon will make his mark for the offense. 
I would suggest in your fantasy football leagues, considering a late round flyer on Jarek McKinnon, they gave him a ton of money a couple of years ago when he became a free agent. It was a stunning amount. It was a huge investment, but he fits what they do, and we haven't seen him for two years. Out of sight, out of mind, times two with the torn ACL suffered in late August of 2018, and then the complications last year had to do it again. He's healthy, and I think he could be a factor in that offense, kind of like the guy that we're not thinking about now. There's always those guys. Yeah. We're not thinking about him now. And, oh, crap, by the time we get to Halloween, we're like, why weren't we thinking about that guy? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I could see that certainly being the case, you know, definitely. You know, the wide receiver position, them getting healthy, those are something we got to watch here. You know, Brandon Ayuk, their first rounder, he's been banged up. Debo Samuel's coming back from a broken foot. Can he play week one? You know, that's what I worry about early in the year is just having viable big-time options there. I know Shanahan's awesome at getting people open, but the biggest thing is they still got George Kittle. And you know what is another one really underrated signing of the offseason where guys got a big injury history. I know that, but when he's healthy, he's amazing. Is Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed at tight end, too. I mean, if he can just not get a concussion, he is special. And Shanahan knows how to expose that part of the field to get guys like Kittle and Jordan Reed the football to where that could add another dimension to their offense this year that we don't think about, like a Jarek McKinnon. That, that's why I'm bringing it up. So it's really rare that a team goes to the Super Bowl and you look at them and you go, damn, they didn't really get ravaged because Super Bowl teams always get ravaged in salary cap, right? Or with, with the uh, free agency where everybody's like, we want the players that played in the Super Bowl. They must have been great. That didn't really happen to them. They lost to Forrest Buckner, but we're very fortunate to get a number 14 or 15 pick in Javon Kinlaw to come right in and play that position. And I don't know if you won't miss a beat, but he's still really damn good. And that's pretty amazing that they uh, accomplished all that. Yeah, and, and they had to do it because there's going to be only so many dollars to go around. They've already paid D Ford. They yep. know what it's going to take to, to get Nick Bosa, especially now that Joey's at $27 million a year. By the time Nick comes due for his new contract, Yikes. it's going to be north of $30 million a year. The pandemic will be over by then, we hope. The coffers will be restored and replenished, and the 49ers are going to have to pay him big money. And I think they got ahead of that knowing that if you pay Buckner – how are you ever going to be able to pay Bosa? Bosa's right. the guy that they need to make the centerpiece of the defense. Let's talk about the centerpiece of the offense before yeah. we go best case, worst case. Jimmy Garoppolo. Earlier this week, we drafted potential first-time MVPs, and, and I went with Jimmy G because if it all works well and they end up with the one seed and he plays well and he re responds well to the, the threat that he had to deal with back in March when Kyle Shanahan was flirting with Tom Brady, you could become, you could blossom into, you could grow into an MVP what do they need him to do this year? Just nuts and bolts. What does he need to do? Because we saw what happened in the playoffs. He freaked out Kyle Shanahan when he when he threw what could have been his third interception, although although uh, Eric Kendricks didn't make the play on the ball to pick it off. They went to run the ball, and then they stayed with run the ball the next week. He was Bob Greasy in the NFC Championship game. What do we need to see from Jimmy G this year? Well, I think, you know, you kind of just hit it. Like, the, that's the first thing. Just, like, bonehead moments. Okay, that, that would be the first thing. And yeah, that was a little bit of a, a theme throughout the playoffs where, yeah, it wasn't sure if we could trust Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, to make the right decision, not throw into a crowd. So I think that would be one thing I'd look at. And not that that was a consistent thing through the year, but, you know, there was a lot of games too where you could go back and look at it and go, oh, the 49ers won, but I could show you periods of the game where I go, eh, look, Jimmy's a little shaky here. 
you know, Shanahan called some screen plays and some other things to be real creative to kind of jumpstart him. And then they ended up winning the game. And we kind of forgot about, well, like, oh, man, Jimmy Garoppolo was actually really shaky in the first half. But the second half ended up so smooth, it kind of erased our memory of that. So I would just say consistency. And the other thing I would say is improved aggressive type throws, whether that's, you know, deep post down the middle in the Super Bowl, but just more plays like that throughout the year. He is not the best deep ball thrower. And to me, if they can get that aspect of his game a little bit better, along with maybe throwing some comebacks on the outside and things like that, that that offense will be, you know, you won't be able to defend it because Shanahan's so creative of what he does already. It's very hard. They make you defend the whole field. But then if he could just add some natural, physical, gifted, power throws to it uh, I think that takes an offense to the other to another level and let's just say this but for something something wasp and everything that happened after That's right seven minutes left in the Super Bowl Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy who's cracking open the tiny little humidor earlier this week and opening up the Super Bowl ring to go along with the Super Bowl MVP trophy probably because he would have been the MVP of the Super Bowl they would have been the Super Bowl champions and we'd feel very differently about Jimmy Garoppolo regardless of the missed throw to Emmanuel Sanders in the championship moment. He wouldn't have even had to do it. He would have already had the hay in the barn. He did everything he already had to do with the 10-point lead yep. to win the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes came back and took it away. All right, best case, worst case, what? Win the Super Bowl, lose the Super Bowl. Well, right? yeah. yeah right. Well, best case is win the Super Bowl, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the – I think this is arguably them and the Ravens have the best roster and team in football. I mean, I know you got Kansas City number one, and I probably put Kansas City number one too because they got that one guy that I think even though they're less on their roster – because of him, I put them above them, and I think that's probably what you did too. Uh, so yeah, win the Super Bowl. Worst case, uh, I, I, again, I don't, I don't seven seed. You know, that's that's really that's where I look at it. I just look at them and go, man, offensive line, damn good. Defensive line, damn good. Linebackers, receivers, running backs. I mean, there's not a lot to dislike about the team. I just can't see them falling too far off here. Yeah, best case, win the Super Bowl. Worst case, one and out, one right, and done. Because right. They have to go on the road in the playoffs. Not that they may have to go into a stadium with fans actually there, but they go on the road in the playoffs. They don't. And here's the other thing, too. I don't know if they've announced no fans all year long. I'll be surprised if they have any fans at all this year at home. Even if they get the one seat again, those playoff games are not going to be as easy as they were because the if the crowd's not there, it's going to take a little something away from it. I think Definitely. The, with the presence of George Kittle, the 49ers are situated to get the fire lit under them every game because he will do it himself. He'll personally be the one pulling the cord on the lawnmower. But still, I could see not winning the division, five seed, six seed, seven seed, go on the road, lose in the first round of the playoffs. That's the worst case scenario. I think they'll make the playoffs. The question is, will they be positioned to get back in position to have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. All right, we're going to take a break. Our good friend Rodney Harrison is going to join us when Pro Football Talk Live continues right after this. There he is, Leonard Fournette in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. He was a member wow. of the Jaguars three days ago, abruptly cut, not claimed on waivers. But, you know, Chris, like we said, this guy's good enough. He's not going to last for very long, and he didn't. He didn't get through a full day of being a free agent. Joins the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rodney Harrison joins us on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. Rodney, you're, 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 give me, give us your your quick knee jerk thoughts to seeing a guy like Leonard Fournette in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. Well, obviously, it gives him a little depth and a little bit more experience, and um, you know, just 
I think he's a good back. There's nothing special about him, and it depends on which back you're getting. Are you getting that hungry dog out of LSU, or are you going to get the guy that, you know, once he got drafted and he got all he got very rich, he completely shut it down. But I think this is a good pickup because he's got guys on that on that roster that's going to hold him accountable. Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, they're going to push him to be the best player that he can be. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm surprised you don't think more of him. I mean, I know he's been in a pain in the butt, but man, I mean, what's he had there in Jacksonville to help him out? You know, that's where I'm excited about it, Rodney. You know, and I understand you're right. There's been some issues there, but still, he's 230. He can run four four flat. He could go 80 yards to the house. I mean, do you think this takes pressure off Brady and Bruce Arians a little bit to have this type of back at least to have a defense worry about him? I don't think you worry about Leonard Fournette. I think you have to be, you know, you have to be cautious of him because they're going to try to offset that passing game with the run game. And that's why they went out and got him because, you know, anytime you can get a, a, a veteran with some good experience. And like I said before, Chris, he's a good player. I just don't think it's anything special about him. You, you mentioned the weight at 230. You mentioned the 4-4. You can break an 80 yard. Well, we need to see more of that. And if we're able to see more of that, then you know, maybe Leonard will prove me wrong, but I think this is a solid signing for three and a half million bucks. And Rodney, to the extent that he's been a pain in the butt in the past, and there are stories that we've heard about, there are things maybe we don't know, there may be things we never know, and who knows at this point, but you played with Tom Brady. What will Tom Brady do, nuts and bolts, day in and day out, to get this guy focused on football, to get this guy as hungry as he was when he was at LSU and contributing to the effort for Tom Brady to get back to the Super Bowl and win it for a seventh time? I think anytime you're around greatness, it just ups your game. And if he's around Tom Brady and he sees that work ethic, he sees Tom getting there at 5 o'clock in the morning, all the tedious things that Tom does to take care of his body and the way he eats, that's contagious, man. Other guys want part of that success. And I think being around Brady, being around Gronk, being around greatness, he's going to catch some of that. And I think it's going to work out. But he has to understand he's going to have to split some carries with Ronald Jones. It won't be just Leonard Fournette. So I'm excited. I, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And unlike Leonard Fournette, who was quickly gobbled up by the Buccaneers, Earl Thomas cut a week and a half ago by the Baltimore Ravens, still available, still on the market. There are so many people who think he's a top 10 safety. As Chris has said all along, if he was, somebody would have already signed him by now. The fact that he's still available shows that uh, something's missing. Rodney, what are your thoughts on the fact that Earl Thomas, a guy who may be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, who knows, that he's still available right now to be signed by anyone? Well, I think I see a lot of bitterness and frustration from Earl Thomas. He's 30 years old, Mike, and, you know, I agree with Chris. He's no longer a top 10 safety. I can name 10 safeties. I can probably name 12 safeties I yeah. think is better than Earl Thomas. And the, the, I think the second thing, too, is, you know, as a veteran player, when you're sitting down and you're watching yourself on tape, it's frustrating because you see yourself not being able to make those plays. You see yourself slowing down. You can't get from A to B like you used to. So I think that's part of Earl's frustration. And my big question is, if Earl was a teammate of mine, could I trust him? You know, you saw what he did to Pete Carroll, gave him the middle finger. He punched a teammate. You know, when you bring in players, when you bring in veteran players, you generally want them to add to the locker room. You don't want them taken away from the locker room. So at this point, I don't know what type of teammate Earl Thomas would truly be. Yeah, so, you're, you know, I've seen this happen, too, throughout, you know, the NFL career. You know, legends, NFL awesome players who the ego won't let them tell themselves that, hey, maybe I'm not quite the same player I used to be, but, 
yet I hold myself in the locker room in regards as I'm still the man and like a Hall of Famer and I'm a pro bowler and I, I'm going to tell everybody what to do because I've been there and done that. And that will piss off a locker room and a team when a player acts in that way. And I just, again, I don't know all the facts, but to me that's kind of the way it seems like Earl Thomas has carried himself a little bit. Do you agree with that at least, Rodney? Yeah, and you know, you look you look at Earl too, and you saw some things last year, and you saw him miss a lot of open field tackles. Right. You saw in the playoffs shove him and push him and bully him out of out of bounds. And you're like, man, this is not the same Earl Thomas that we're used to seeing. Um, but I think if if you know if you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, I would say that's a good fit for Earl simply because I think he's a heck of a lot better than Ha Ha Clinton Dix. I just don't think Ha Ha Clinton Dix is that dude at the safety position. I think they can definitely upgrade with Earl Thomas. Rodney, there's been a lot of discussion over the past week or so about whether and to what extent there's a competitive advantage for teams that will have fans in the stands this year versus teams that won't have fans in the stands. And the commissioner has kind of underscored that issue the past couple of days by saying that he and the competition committee believe there is no advantage. And we had a poll question that we put on Twitter last night. 74% plus say, of course, there is a competitive advantage. I'm surprised at the number that say there isn't a competitive advantage. From your perspective, given your years of playing football, do you think it matters playing a home game with no fans present versus playing a home game that has even some fans, not necessarily the whole stadium, but just some fans present? Support is support, Mike. And when you're playing football, it's a very difficult sport. And you try to draw inspiration and energy from any source that you can. And the fans are a big part of that. you know. And if the fans weren't so important, I understand financially they pay for tickets, then why do we have fans there? Because... You know, you look at Kansas City, they were down 24 to nothing in the playoff last year. The fans helped them come back. Yeah, they made a couple plays, but the fans, getting the fans on the back. I won two Super Bowls. It wasn't just because we had great team and we had great coaching, but the fans were a big part of it. So I disagree with um, um, Roger Goodell saying that, um, you know, it's not a competitive advantage. And obviously those people on the competition committee, have they played football? Do they understand how important the fans are to us? So I agree with you totally, Mike. Yeah, I don't really understand what they're trying to do there altogether. Do, but, okay, something I've been saying with the, the competitive advantage, Rodney, is just like, yes, it's certainly I, – I agree with you and Mike. Uh, but I'm not, like, distraught about it. I'm not sitting here going like, oh, this is an unfair season. This team's going to have 20,000 fans. This is going to have zero fans. There's obviously going to be an advantage there. But I don't think it's great enough to me to where I look at it and I'm going to, like – you know, the season's going to be over. I'm going to put an asterisk next to it and go, I'm not sure this counted because this team had a great advantage compared to this team. I don't think it's that great. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, I, I just think that the fans, I've been in so many close games and, you know, you draw inspiration, you draw energy from yeah. the fans. I believe that um, it's they they impact the game a lot more than what you're giving them credit for. And plus, you, you know, you're a quarterback, Chris. Nobody cheered for you anyway. <laughs> Rodney, how much energy did you draw from the fans on the road that were yelling and screaming and giving you the finger and all that other stuff when they're trying to get you to lose the game? Oh, that was awesome. I mean, I embraced it, you know, because I always looked at it as a challenge. Like, they're personally attacking me. So you can twist it and flip it however you want to get motivation, but the fans are definitely an advantage. And to me, if you're going to have fans, allow every team to have fans. If not, don't allow anyone to have fans. I just think it's, it's definitely a, a competitive advantage. Uh, 
and and uh, I again, I don't know why they're taking that position. It's not going to be a perfect season. Let's just embrace the fact that it's not going to be perfect. At least it looks like we're going to have a season. There may be some advantages and disadvantages, so be it. At least we're going to have football. And when football gets rolling next week with the Texans and the Chiefs on Thursday night, let's focus on some of the teams that you've pegged as contenders, Rodney. And let's start with the AFC. Who do you like coming out of that conference or at least emerging as the teams to watch? Well, my top three, Mike, would be obviously number one is Kansas City. You got a bunch of returning starters, obviously Patrick Mahomes. I like the Ravens. I just think that upgraded um, on a defensive line, I think that's going to help stop the run. And I love the Tennessee Titans with Mike Vrabel, the coaching, and just their improvement. I'm going to tell you, though, my sneaky team is definitely the Pittsburgh Steelers. I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and, you know, that awesome defense. I think that's a Super Bowl-winning defense. You know, you get Ben Roethlisberger back. That helps the defense. It helps the offense. And um, those are my top three three teams with Pittsburgh being sneaky in the AFC, Mike. Well, how about where's your New England Patriots? Like, just give me your, you know, what's your feel there? Because I'm excited about New England. I understand there's some change, you know, different pieces there. But, like, give me your, you know, crystal ball. How do you think this kind of shakes out for the Patriots and Cam Newton? Well, the reason why you say that and I say that and we're fans of the New England Patriots is even with Tom Brady gone, we know they have Coach Belichick. But to me, you look at Mohamed Sanu and him being cut and released, you look and say, what other veteran receiver that they have on the roster other than Julian Edelman? And I actually feel sorry for Julian Edelman because he's going to see a lot more double teams. His life is going to be a lot more difficult not having those receivers. So it's up to Bill Belichick. He saved $6.5 million on the cap. You got to go out there and get some playmakers, guys that can stretch the field, some veteran experience to help out these young guys. And Rodney, when you mentioned the Ravens and the Chiefs as two of the contenders in the AFC, yeah, obviously those are the teams at the top. The Titans are the ones that got my attention because I feel like a lot of people are overlooking the Titans. And maybe that's just what the Titans are destined to be. Maybe they could win the Super Bowl and still be overlooked. But I, I just and maybe this plays into their into their hands. The idea that that you're one of the very few that would put them in that upper echelon of the AFC. What do you see about them building on what they did last year, re repeating what they did last year to get to the Final Four, to get to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game, and maybe this year they can get past it? Mike, I look at the top, man, and I look at Mike Vrabel. I played with Mike Vrabel for a long time. I know what he stands for. I know how his players respect him, and I know what type of players he has. He has a lot of unselfish guys, guys that run through the brick wall for one another, and guys that are cohesive, they can run the football. Um, they have a, a really good, solid defense. They don't make a lot of mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. And and I, I think Ryan Tannehill is a very, very good quarterback. I think he could do a lot of things. He could pass the ball down the field. He can run. He can scramble. And he brings that emotion and that energy. So I like the Tennessee Titans. They may not be a fancy team where people are looking at and they have all these big-name guys, but they have a lot of talent. Jonu Smith, they can run the football. I, I like the Titans, man. Don't sleep on them. Well, why we're just there, because you're on the Titans, like the AFC South is going to be interesting. I mean, we know Deshaun Watson's there, Jacksonville, okay, they're a rebuild or whatever you want to call it there. I just like to, real quick, what do, you, what, do you, what do you see for the Indianapolis Colts? You know, I'm a guy that I look at them and go, they'd be one of my watch out for them this year type of teams. Uh, what, what, what's your feeling on them, Rodney? Hey, Chris, that's a good point, because Indianapolis, when I was talking to our, our producer, Matt Casey, that was one of the teams that I was actually going to put down was the Indianapolis Colts, because they have stability at that offensive line, Some, you know, something to protect Phillip Rivers. I like their wide receiving core and what they've done in the draft, getting a young running back and getting a wide receiver. 
I like what they're doing down in Indianapolis. I get, I think Philip Rivers gives them the stability that they're looking for, the experience, especially behind the experience offensive line. All right, Rodney, you've given us plenty to think about on the AFC side. Who are your contenders on the NFC side? Well, number one would have to be Chris, best friend, San Francisco 49ers. I like <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. I like Seattle in the same division. And surprisingly, I took the Saints off and I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on there. But just whatever reason, I like Tampa Bay with all the experienced guys they have. They're loaded. And really, my sneaky team would be the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think Kyler Murray is going to be a superstar. Um, I, I love Kenyon Drake. We talked so much about DeAndre Hopkins, but Kenyon Drake is a guy that can break open in the open field. And I think he's highly underrated as a running back. And yeah, Rodney, that's... And, and Rodney, that, that Cardinals team is one that Chris and I have been pegging for months now that, that we just we can sense it coming. And we saw Patrick Mahomes in year two become the MVP, Lamar Jackson in year two become the MVP. I think Kyler Murray's going to make a run out of this year. He's going he's gonna to be that guy that's going to shock a lot of people because most people didn't see him last year. But we all saw enough of him to say this guy's special. Mike, and that's the disadvantage of playing on the West Coast. I played there with the San Diego Chargers for nine years. And unfortunately, that's how you get bypassed from player defensive player of the year and Pro Bowls and stuff like that when you're all the way on the West Coast. Because a lot of people, especially if you're losing, people don't pay attention to you. But I think with Kyler Murray, I think that's going to change. He is a superstar. He's unselfish. They, they're starting to put some weapons around him. And I can't wait to see what he does this year. I, I mean, I agree with all the Kyler Murray stuff. I don't know if I could get behind the sleeper in the NFC quite yet. All right. I'll just say that. I love. I, I got to see their defense play at a little bit of a higher level. Those type of things. Who would you things. replace it with, Chris? Who would you replace it with? Well, oh, you mean just as far as sleepers are concerned? Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I don't know. We, if sleepers are concerned, if we're talking about any team that didn't make the playoffs last year, damn, I probably would like the Rams or the Cowboys more than them. Okay, just as far as complete football teams, I understand the Kyler Murray love affair, so that would be my teams. But wait, I have one more thing for you because I would be interested to hear this. I, I mean, we're all in agreement. We think the 49ers are a really damn good football team. Talk to us a little bit about what is it like to come out of a year losing the Super Bowl and what does it do to your psyche early on in the year or how, you know, how does the next season shape up in a player's mind when you're coming off like a devastating loss like they did? Yeah, I think obviously it depends on what type of makeup you have in the locker room. But for the most part, guys are looking and saying, look, guys, we reached the Super Bowl. We made this mistake, that mistake. These are things that we can improve on and get better at. And I think this is a confident team. They know they have the great defense. They know they can run the ball. You talk about Kyle Shanahan's creativity with play calling, all these different things. So this is, you know, this is something that you get excited about. You're like, man, you know what? We lost the Super Bowl, but we can definitely get back. We know the improvements that we have to make. We got rid of some guys. We added some new guys, and it's about chemistry. So I think San Francisco, they're primed and ready, understanding their opportunity this year, Chris. We talk all the time about teams that had a great season that ended in disappointment. We talked earlier this week about the Ravens going 14-2. and and, and then you start into a new season and you keep thinking about last year, maybe if this year it doesn't go as easily. H how did Bill Belichick manage to get you guys each and every year to just forget about last year? Whether it's a Super Bowl, whether it's losing in the Super Bowl, whether it's losing in the playoffs, how, what does he do? What magic wand does he wave to get the locker room to forget completely about last year and focus on this year? I think it's perspective, Mike. I think, you know, he, he provides us with perspective. And he says, you know, 
what you did last year, you know, it's a completely different team than what you're dealing with right now at this point. So don't worry about what happened last year, one game at a time. And I think it comes down from the coach. It trickles down to the veteran players. And it's the same approach. Like if the veteran players approach it where it's just, okay, that was last year. We're not thinking about it. He doesn't bring up what happened last year or anything like that. He completely forgets about it and he moves forward. And I think once the veterans take that and trickle, it trickles down to the younger players, then that's when it spreads throughout your locker room. Okay. One of the teams you talked about with your NFC contenders there, you know, Seattle, right? You know, Seattle, there's all this talk, Rodney, of like, can we put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more? You know, I don't know. Do you think they did enough on the defensive side of the ball to like legitimately put themselves in that Super Bowl conversation? And listen, I'm with you. I just know these are the questions I get sometimes, too. Uh, I'm a believer in Seattle as well. But anything about their team that jumps out to you or do you like to see changed about them uh, in any way? You know, Chris, Seattle is just a funny team because you just can't – It's a lot of times you can't fill them because, you know, like defensively sometimes they're they're really good on offense and a lot of – you know, and then they might be average on defense and then you see the potential with some individual players on the defensive side of the ball. I just look at the stability of Russell Wilson. I look at that run game. Um, I look at that big physical offensive line. And I just – and I think – I think the Seattle Seahawks are that team that's that's ready to take that next step. I just think they're ready to take that next step. Yeah. Well, Rodney, we're going to take our next step, which means we have to take a break. Great conversation as always. Uh, we appreciate some of your time on, on a Thursday morning, and we'll be talking to you soon. And when we come back, we're going to have a draft that focuses on finding this year's edition of the 49ers who surprised us all in 2019. More PFT Live coming at you right now. The nice palm tree, Rodney. <laughs> Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. NHL action from Wednesday night, Game 6, the Avalanche and the Dallas Stars, 1-1 one one in the second period. Kel McCarr on the rebound puts the Avs up 2-1. Fast forward, third period, trying to close it out up 3-1. Nathan McKinnon, 14 straight with a point on the empty netter. 
and the Avs stay alive. Game seven coming up on Friday between Colorado and Dallas. And there's a look at the games that you will see today. Just a couple of games, but more and more impactful as we get closer and closer to the moment where they take that Stanley Cup and skate around on the ice with it. All right, uh, the 49ers almost were skating around on the grass with the Lombardi Trophy, Chris. They were a surprise team last year. They weren't a team that we were pegging for the Super Bowl. They 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 were a team that that just kind of surprised us. And I, I'm trying to be more vague as I say that because our draft today is this year's version of the 49ers. And it doesn't just have to be the team that surprises us. There may be some other parallel to last year's 49ers that we can draw. So it's a wide open palette. And we go whatever direction we want to go. And uh, there's no trivia question. So I'm going to give you the first crack at this one because I don't know what the hell my picks are going to be at this point. Usually I'm prepared. I'm not sure how to do this one. So you go first. Yeah, Who's thank you. Thank you. So you're so nice to give me the first pick today. You're right. I, I don't know where the hell to go with this either. All right. The, the, my first pick is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers for this year's 49ers. Damn it. Yes. Eat it. You shouldn't have been so nice. But the correlation is this. <laughs> That's Aust- the first time anyone's ever said that to me. <laughs> Eat it? <laughs> No. Oh. No, that's you you shouldn't have been you're, so nice. You shouldn't have been so nice. Yes, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. And the message is up on the screen in the UK. Hello, London. Watch out for that idiot on the right of your screen. He has a bad mouth. Okay. So yeah, I go the Steelers one because <laughs> that defense is put in place, right? Like the 49ers to where you're excited about. But two, just like last year's 49ers, their quarterback's coming off an injury from the previous year. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe it was like week three against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, two seasons ago. Of course, it was week two last year for Big Ben Roethlisberger. So that's where I'll draw that correlation as far as defense, quarterback coming back uh, to be, you know, this year's 49ers. And, and see, I was drawn to the Steelers for that very reason. You lose your quarterback early. It's a wasted season. And then there's this just kind of vague, oh, I don't know what this team's going to be. Um, I'm going to take that concept, but I'm going to mash it up a little bit. I'm going to say, even though they made the playoffs last year, they made a quick exit. I'm going to say the Patriots because of Cam Newton, because he's the guy who had the lost season week two, gone for the year, forgotten by the NFL, still questions, still doubters, doubters about the Patriots without Tom Brady. They've got the defense, Cam Newton proving himself coming off of that serious injury. And this is a team that potentially could be dominant in the AFC the same way the 49ers were dominant last year in the NFC. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of twisting and combining here. And I thought about the Panthers because they lost Cam Newton last year, but they've lost him for good. So I'm not going to put the Panthers in that 49ers category, but I will put the Patriots there by virtue of the fact that they inherited the guy who left early in 2019 and could be back to full form in 2020. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I hear you with the correlation there. I mean, yes. I mean, you've also called Shanahan mini Belichick, right? So there's some correlation there. Uh, but, but, man, just from all indications, Cam Newton has – lit a fire of energy from what I know up there in New England. He has become the leader of the team every day. He's a special personality and a special, you know, energy and human being about him. And I I think he has made his mark on that football team already. And uh, I get you. I'm not mad at you there for for picking them, even though I'm not shaky correlation. But okay, I'll deal with it. All right. Cleveland Browns is where I'll go next. Cleveland Browns. I think, again, a little bit like the 49ers, 
there's some superstar aspects to their defensive line. Oh, okay, hey, Nick Bosa, you know, D Ford. Okay, well, here's Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and, you know, Sheldon Richardson in the middle. So they got this front four that I think could be really dominant up front that way. And the correlation I go here too, where is next level correlation, all right? Joe Woods came from the 49ers. He was part of their defensive staff. Now he's the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. So he's going to run that scheme, run that system. They have long corners who can play that similar style of a Richard Sherman and everybody else. So I look at that. But then on the offensive side of the ball, there's correlation too to where I go. It's a team that's going to be about the run game like you talked about. Kevin Stefanski was just with Kubiak. Kubiak learned the run game from Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's the master of the running game in football. He is the Zen master. There is nobody more creative and finds ways to gash people in the run game. And Kevin Stefanski has a little bit of that in him as well. Not as creative, but I just think between that and then, yes, Baker Mayfield, we're still questioning him like we were questioning Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Uh, that's where I'll kind of try to throw that correlation a little bit with the talent of the team, and there's some coaching connection there, crossover. You know, I'd really like to cross over to the NFC since that's where the 49ers are, and we haven't picked an NFC team yet. But before we do that, I'm going to put the Chargers in here. Okay. Right? There's just this vague sense of malaise, this funk, this what are the Chargers really going to be? And now you throw the Derwin James injury on top of it. So you're more likely to disregard the Chargers. Oh, it's going to be next year when Justin Herbert's the quarterback, when Derwin James is back. It's not this year. But they've got a Bosa. There's only two Bosa's. The 49ers they have got a one. one of them. The Chargers have the other. <laughs> right. And he's paid and he's motivated and he's happy. And they've got the interior defensive line. You've talked about picking up Linval Joseph from the Vikings. Uh, the, the, the defense can drive this this bus. And yeah. that's what the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, the offense with the running game was really good. I think we can overlook very easily the Chargers offense because we just had ah, Tyrod Taylor. But as we've said time and again, He's got an assortment of weapons he's never had before. Not when he was the starter in Buffalo. Not during that brief period of time he was the starter in Cleveland. And this is just one of those where, you know, they start. And we see this every year. Teams start piling up wins. Teams we weren't really sure about. And we're like, okay, well, okay, well, maybe they are good. And you just develop this sense that really bakes in by Halloween where you're like, hey, this is a team that we need to take seriously all year long. And there's a chance the Chargers could have it unfold that way. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. You know, and they, yeah, I mean, they're going to rely on the running game. Like you talked about, that's what Anthony Lynn wants to do. Oddly enough, they play the same defensive scheme the 49ers do too. And then they got, yeah, Ingram, Bosa, Linville, Joseph. We forget about their, their, their first round pick from the 2019 draft and Jerry Tillery. He's another interior D lineman. So you look at them and you go, damn. They got three first-rounders on the on the off defensive line. You know, what was the 49ers last year? Four first-rounders? So, you know, that's you don't hear that a lot. Three first-rounders and Limbell Joseph, I want to say he was a second or third-rounder. I don't know. But either way, there's some, a lot of quality play there in that front seven. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you there. I could buy that too. Man, I'm really stressed here about the last pick. I don't know what the hell I'm correlating to the 49ers here. I think what I'm going to do here – is just go back to the Atlanta Falcons and go, Damn it! Yeah! Eat it for you! Hey, for part two, you shouldn't have been so nice before the draft started. Okay, so the Atlanta Falcons, I'm picking them because 
I think this is the first time since Shanahan left that I feel like, ooh, okay, this could be the year for the Falcons. Hopefully they can avoid the injury bug. There is an issue with them being a little top-heavy, as we talked about. But I just feel like since Shanahan left, I know they had the one playoff appearance and lost the Eagles in the divisional round. I don't feel like the offense has ever been quite as quite the same, and they've never been quite as dominant as a football team altogether, where I feel like this year it has a chance to line up that way. And again, it's funny. It's the same defensive scheme. Todd Gurley there is the running back. We'll see how all that goes. And, of course, can Matt Ryan have that success that he had with Shanahan? Uh, that's going to all be big things here this year. But I think they're one of those teams that jumped on the scene a little bit more uh, this year as compared to last. I agree with you. And another reason I was going to pick the Falcons, of the teams that are in this category, they are the most likely to blow a double-digit lead with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl, which would be another parallel. Oh, <laughs> uh, there he is. 49ers. Dr. Dooms. He strikes why, at the end of the Thursday why, draft. <laughs> that, that's why I was going to pick them. How about the Chicago Bears, right? Here, here we are, year three for Matt Nagy. It's more than year three for Ryan Pace. But remember going into year three for Kyle Shanahan, yeah. we weren't really sure what the 49ers had gotten themselves into, and right. there was talk of dysfunction between him and John Lynch and maybe one, uh, and it would have been Lynch on the hot seat, not Shanahan. But, but you know, and, and then it all just kind of falls together, driven by the defense. Akeem Hicks, healthy. Khalil Mack, much more effective when Akeem Hicks is healthy. Yeah. Robert Quinn Ooh. to beef up the pass rush, and the defense takes over, and all of a sudden the offense doesn't have to be yeah. great if your defense is. And that's what the 49ers' story was last year. If the defense is great, the offense doesn't have to be. Uh, and uh, maybe maybe we see them embrace the running game because they can't figure out who the hell they trust to throw the football. So I'll go Bears. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I get you. Yeah, defense, we know that's in place. You're right. Nagy, you're three. Like Kyle Shanahan, we were all sitting there going, oh, this is a big year. You know, and also we were, you know, questioning the quarterback position before last year with the 49ers. I mean, let's not forget this time last year, we were just coming off of, whoa, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been great in practice. He threw five interceptions and in practice scrimmage against the Denver Broncos. Is he going to be the downfall of this 49ers team? And not to say we're having that conversation with the Bears, but we're having a conversation about the quarterback going, who the hell is it going to be? And what's this offense going to quite look like? And can they trust either one of these quarterbacks? So, yeah, there's some correlation to this. All right. I, I kind of like this draft. It was so open-ended, you could kind of go anywhere with it. Uh, I clearly won, but it was a good draft. Okay, you clearly won because the, because I was too nice and I gave <laughs> Whoa, you the Whoa, three pick. times in had, one segment. You're too nice. I would have had the Steelers and I would have had the Falcons if I would have just said I'm taking the first pick. Yeah. All right, before we go, who's taking the first snap for the Dolphins when they start the season against the Patriots? Brian Flores, the head coach, said on radio this morning, we have a pretty good idea who the quarterback is. Who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be Tua right out of the gates, or is it going to be Fitzpatrick? Or could it be Josh Rosen, who's been surprisingly effective in camp this year? Well, I know I've heard it's it's been good. Uh, I'm still gonna I'm gonna lean on Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it's still gonna go there uh, for one reason, and I I do think Tua ultimately is going to be more talented than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think the comments I heard like two days ago from Brian Brian Flores talking about. You know, we haven't got to see Tua in live action to know exactly how healthy he was. They know he's good in practice and all those things, but he said they're taking into account last year's injury. To me, reading between the lines and coach speak, that means we'd like to just pump the brakes a little bit and wait a little longer before we throw him out there. 
One last note on the way out the door. Remember when Chris Sims didn't have Devontae Adams in his top 10 receivers and Devontae Adams got salty about it? Well, Aaron Rodgers says the receiver he's been the most impressed with this camp is Marquez Valdez-Cantling. So, Chris, a little feather in your hat. Take that, Devontae Adams. That's it for today. See everybody Friday. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.